Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, and magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered up for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed out loud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. What an honor to be here this morning. At the beginning of every year, we do a short sermon series on our name, vision, and mission. We do this in order to remind ourselves of our, of our values and focus us for the new year. So this morning, we're looking at our name like we did last week, Exilic. So what is this strange name? It's the adjectival form of the word exile. We're exiles as Christians in that New York City is not our true home. Now, I love living in New York City, and I admire how it's built. You know, I love that when within a few blocks I have access to everything I need. Uh, right now, we're just a few blocks from what was once the tallest building in the world, the Empire State Building. And in the middle of one of the most densely populated cities in the United States, we have this massive park, two and a half miles long. The grid in Manhattan is so precise that four times a year, the sun shines straight through almost every cross street on the island. If you haven't seen it before, check out hashtag Manhattan Henge. The way the city is built is incredible. There's nowhere else I'd rather live, except one place. Hebrews 11.10 says that Abraham looked forward to a city whose designer and builder is God. As Christians, that's our true home, this heavenly city that God has prepared for us. And that's the city that I look forward to. But that leaves us with the question, what are we to do in the meantime? Most of us will probably be here for a while longer, even if not in New York City, we'll be in some other earthly city. So how are, we live, how are we to live faithfully as an exilic people, people not yet home? That's our concern for this morning. And Daniel 3 has a lot to say about this. It's about three Jews who had been taken captive by the king of Babylon, who had just conquered their city in Jerusalem. So much like us, they were exiles, living in Babylon, awaiting the day that their God would bring them back to their city like he had promised. And in Daniel 3, they give us a case study of what it looks like to live as faithful exiles. So as we walk through the story, we're going to see four marks of faithful exiles. That would be our four points. And the first one, mark number one, is faithful exiles look different. They look different. So at the beginning of the story, Nebuchadnezzar sets up a statue that was probably about 90 feet tall. Think about the height of a, of a nine-story building. Even by today's standards, that's a, a pretty tall statue. Uh, it would have most likely been the biggest statue anybody there had ever seen. It would have completely awed them. And Nebuchadnezzar tells all of his officials to come to this big dedication ceremony. Now at this time, Nebuchadnezzar had conquered a, a large part of the known world. So important people from all over the world were gathering together for this. They were hearing instruments from all over the world, probably instruments they'd never heard before. And they all gathered together to see the unveiling of this massive statue. 
It was almost certainly the most impressive event anyone there had ever seen or heard of. So they all come to this event, and then someone tells them when they hear the sound of music, they're to fall down. And we'll see that these verbs of posture are significant throughout the story. Nebuchadnezzar sets up this statue. The people stand before it, and then they're commanded to fall down. And if they don't fall down, they'll be cast into a fiery furnace. They'll be forced to fall down. And so as soon as the music starts, they fall down just like Nebuchadnezzar commanded. Let's pause here for a moment and, and think if this applies to us today. You know, when we first read this, it seems pretty foreign, and in a way it is. You probably weren't commanded to fall, between, be, fall before any statues last week. But you were confronted with all sorts of idols. Turn to the first page of your bulletin, and let me read Tim Keller's definition of an idol. He's a pastor and, and author in New York City. He says this, What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion and energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. So you may not have been commanded to fall before a statue last week, but maybe you felt the pressure to make success in your career or or recognition, the thing that's most important in your heart. Maybe that drives you to be always working, never resting. Maybe you'll do Uh, anything you can to keep your relationship with your partner. Maybe you feel the the pull to make your relationship with your partner what gives you value and significance. Maybe you'll do anything you can, even if that means doing things that conflict with your values or that harm yourself or others. Maybe what, what, what you want most is to be accepted by others. Maybe you feel addicted to your phone. Take a look at the first page of your bulletin again. Jean Twenge talks about some of the interviews she did for her research on what she calls iGens, the generation after millennials. That's those of you who are uh, 25 and younger. Take a look at what she says. They talked about their phones the way an addict would talk about crack. I know I shouldn't, but I just can't help it, one said about looking at her phone while in bed. Another writer found similar sentiments in her research. She said girls she interviewed had a love-hate relationship with their phones and social media. One said... I spend so much time on Instagram looking at people's pictures and sometimes I'll be like, why am I spending my time on this? And yet I keep doing it. Now, I'm not anti-technology, but you have to ask yourself, who's in control, me or my phone? We may not feel the pressure to fall down before a statue, but we encounter idols every day that demand we fall before them. And in Daniel 3, everyone fell down before the statue except for three faithful exiles who stood up. Now, in some ways, we like looking different. We like to be unique. So we express our individuality in what we wear or how we look. We pride ourselves on maybe knowing obscure bands. Uh, We're excited to tell others about the new restaurant we discovered last week. We like to be unique in a way that's accepted and praised. But it's something entirely different to be unique in a way that leads to 
being laughed at, eating lunch alone, or being thrown into a fiery furnace. Here's the key point. Faithful exiles look different because they recognize the idols of their culture and refuse to fall down to them. Does your life look different? And that brings us to the conflict of the story. Some of the Chaldeans uh, sold out the three who stood up. They told Nebuchadnezzar about it. So look at verse 12 again with me. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. So this is the conflict of the story. What will happen to these three Jews who stood up? And that brings us to the second mark of faithful exiles. Mark number two is faithful exiles suffer. As we would probably expect, their standing made Nebuchadnezzar furious and he commands that they be brought before him. How dare you defy me? Fall down like I commanded you. And you know, our idols actually often behave in a similar way. Maybe you decide to take uh, Sunday off from work to rest and to worship and you feel the, the wrath of a full inbox Monday morning. Maybe you decide to take a break from your phone and you miss out on something. But here's the thing. Faithful exiles don't trade faithfulness for comfort or safety. Faithful exiles accept that they're looking different may lead to suffering. So ask yourself, are you willing to suffer for looking different? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the statue, so they stand up to the king. Imagine how much pressure they must have felt. I mean, I can think of at least three different types of pressure. They, first, there's this pressure of attraction. And remember how impressive this whole show was. There were people, important people from all over the world. The, the statue was this gigantic human achievement. There was music from all over the world. It was as cultured as you could get. There was an attraction to falling down. The same is true for idols today. But there's also a pressure of, of popularity. There was a social pressure. I mean, everyone else fell down before the statue. And nobody likes to feel like an outsider. We want likes, followers, and invites, not rejection, enemies, and isolation. The pull to fit in can be strong. And then lastly, there's this pressure of hostility. I mean, the king is literally threatening to kill them if they don't fall down to the statue. You know, so often I fall down to idols under far less pressure than anything here. But look at their incredible response. Look at verse 16. They answered and, and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Look at their faith. I mean, even though their nation had just been conquered by this king, right, keep that in mind, they had faith that their God could save. And there are two important things I want us to see from this verse. First is the source of their faith. So not too long before they were taken into exile, God made his people a promise in Isaiah 43. Turn to the first page of your bulletin again. Take a look at how directly this speaks to their situation. 
This is God speaking to the Israelites before they went into exile. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And here's the especially key part. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. God's promise was the source of their faith. So here's what we learn. If you want to have faith in exile, you need to know and meditate on God's word. That's the only way you'll be able to keep your faith when things get tough. And there's another important thing from this verse, the object of their faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't worship the statue because they worship a different God. Did you catch that? That's their answer. They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Verse 17. And this might actually be the most important part of the story because it tells us what drives faithful exiles. Why do they look different? Why are they willing to suffer? And here it is. Faithful exiles don't, or yeah, faithful exiles don't worship idols because they're too busy worshiping God. Faithful exiles recognize that only one person or thing can have the supreme place in their hearts. And we see in verse 18 that these exiles would rather die than give that to something other than God. That means our whole lives should be consumed with worship of God. Because if not, you can bet that it will get filled with worship of something else. I mean, the world asks, how can I gain more power or control? That's what Nebuchadnezzar asks. How can I make my life more comfortable or safe? That's what all the officials ask when they fall down before the statue. How can I get others to like me? That's what the Chaldeans ask when they tell the king about the three who stood up. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego throw that all away and instead ask just one thing. How can we serve our God? Faithful exiles ask, how can I bring God glory through my work? How can I show love to others? How can I seek God today? Our faith isn't in power, comfort, comfort, or acceptance. The object of our faith is God. This brings us to the climax of the story. Read with me, starting in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Everyone gathers around and Nebuchadnezzar must have expected it to be this big, dramatic display. And it was, but not in the way he intended He throws them into the fire, but then he sees something that surprises him so much that he leaps out of his chair. 
And remember, these verbs of posture are significant. So Nebuchadnezzar commands Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to fall before the statue that he set up, but instead they stand up. So Nebuchadnezzar casts them into the fire, and they fall into the furnace. But then Nebuchadnezzar sees them standing and walking around in the midst of the fire with a fourth man. And so then he rises up in astonishment. And that brings us to the third mark of faithful exiles. Mark number one, faithful exiles look different. And as a result, number two, they suffer. Mark number three, faithful exiles witness. They witness. In the midst of their suffering, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego point to the faithfulness of God. And look at the irony here, too. I don't know if you caught this, but the men who refuse to obey the, command, the king's command live, right, even though they're thrown into the furnace. But these mighty men who obey the king and throw them into the furnace are killed by the fire. Verse 22. See, going along with idolatry is easier at first, and it, it may even seem like the smart thing. I mean, everyone else is, is doing it after all. But this is where it leads. Lying dead on the ground. Idols threaten to destroy our life if we stand up to them. But the thing that really destroys our lives is not standing up to idols, but falling down to idols. It might seem like working longer and longer hours will get us what we want, and if we don't work harder or work more, then we'll suffer. But studies show that taking time off from works makes us healthier, leads to greater life satisfaction, and even increases our productivity. It might seem like we have to check our phone or we'll miss out on something. But studies show that more screen time causes more anxiety, more depression, more loneliness, and less emotional connectivity. Falling down to idols leads to death. Standing up to idols leads to life. Rather than the fire killing Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, it actually frees them. Their bounds were broken by the fire, and they walk around freely. And so when Nebuchadnezzar sees what happens, he calls for them to come out. Before he had cast them into the fire, now he calls for them to come out. And all the people gathered to see that although whatever bound them was destroyed in the fire, not only did they not die, the hair on their heads was not singed, their clothes were not harmed, and they didn't even smell like smoke. The fire had not had any power over them. And then, and this is maybe one of the most incredible parts of this story, Nebuchadnezzar falls down. He had set up the statue, commanded everyone to fall down before, but now he falls before the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. The refusal to fall down before an idol had such an effect on Nebuchadnezzar that he blesses God. This is the king who just threw them into the fire. Our faith is displayed most clearly in times of trial. When we refuse to go along with cultural idols, when we live differently than the rest of the city, people notice. 
I mean, look at the impact Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith had. Not only does the king bless God, but he makes a law that no one can speak against their God. Their act of faith ends up transforming the entire country. Is your faith a witness to those around you? It may not always be so dramatic, but when we refuse to worship idols, people notice. And sometimes, sometimes God uses that to change people's hearts, even entire empires. May we be a church that witnesses to New York City, that points people to God. And may we pray that God would use that witness to do a mighty thing in this city. You know, New York City is one of the least Christian places in the United States, but Babylon wasn't exactly a Christian city either. By looking different and suffering for their faith, faithful exiles witness. That's Mark number three. In Mark number four, faithful exiles are exalted. They're exalted. The resolution to the story is in verse 30. Let me read it for us. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Instead of burning in the fire, they're actually promoted. They actually end up better off because of this trial. That's probably not what we would have expected at the beginning of the story, but in the end, they were exalted. So this case study gives us this great, inspiring example of what it looks like to live faithfully as an exilic people. But there's a problem here. What happens when our faith isn't so strong? You know, God promises to be with us through the fire, but often rather than stand up to idols and endure their judgment, we fall down to idols. Often we don't experience God's deliverance because we don't resist. We don't give God the chance to deliver. Maybe the idol that most tempts you is control, and like Nebuchadnezzar, you demand that others fall before you. And this falling down to idols is not just in the big moments. In all the little decisions of our day, we choose to worship idols instead of God. And God is not like Nebuchadnezzar. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar, God is the righteous and just king who can demand our allegiance. And unlike Nebuchadnezzar, when we defy God, he does have the right to throw us into fiery torment. So how can we be saved from that fiery torment? Only by faith in the one who stood on our behalf, who lived his whole life without falling down to idols. And he didn't just stand for us, he took on fiery torment for us. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were determined to be faithful to God regardless of the consequences. So Jesus, when he stared death in the face, cried out to his father, not my will but yours be done. But unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when Jesus walked through the fire, there was no angel to rescue him. He died alone and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then, on the third day, God the Father did deliver Jesus. He raised him from the dead. 
See, Nebuchadnezzar sought to exalt himself and commanded the world to fall before him. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. Therefore, God the Father has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, when Nebuchadnezzar commanded people from all over the world to bow before his 90-foot-tall statue, at the time it looked pretty compelling. But if you put a statue beside the One World Trade Center, which is 20 times taller, it would look pretty pathetic by comparison. How much more pathetic will our idols look when we compare them to the glory of God and the glory of that heavenly city he has prepared for us. We will fall down in worship. If we have faith in this one who stood, suffered, and rose again on our behalf, he will save us from the fire we deserve. He will grow our faith to be able to stand up for to idols. He will be with us in the fire. He will use our suffering as a witness to the world, and we will be exalted with him in that heavenly city. Our suffering is temporary. Our exile is temporary. Our exaltation will be eternal. Let's pray. God, we confess that we don't always have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We fall down to idols every day under far less pressure. Thank you for your son who stood on our behalf and endured the fiery torment that we deserve. Forgive us for his sake and give us faith to look different, to be willing to suffer and to be a witness to our city. And may we look forward with great expectation to that city you have prepared for us. Amen.